So I lit the Christ candle, as I always do, as a reminder of that light that's in each and every one of us. We call our Christ consciousness our highest consciousness, but it's love. It's love that's in our heart that speaks to us from that place of knowing exactly who we are, knowing what is in our highest good. Our challenge as human beings is to listen, to listen to what's going on, to listen to what our heart is trying to tell us. So it's been such an amazing journey, this talk, as all my talks are, but I first got the hit, the guidance to do this talk. It had to be in October, maybe September, when I started reading this book called The Sophia Code. And in The Sophia Code, it goes through all different women, spiritual women, and what their journey was. And I came to Mary Magdalene, and I just knew I had to share what she was what her history was, what her history was, where she came from, what her background was. I was so inspired. So I put it on the list, and it turned out that it was going to be in March. Now, every month at One Spirit, we are given a list of people that have some kind of input into religious or spiritual history. And in February, one of the people on the list was Mary Magdalene. So I was like, yes, I get to start my March talk a month early by writing this paper about Mary Magdalene. And it was so perfect because there was no way I could prepare for this talk in one month. I definitely needed to. And quite frankly, you're going to get a brush stroke. I want to do a whole other talk on her Gospels alone. Which leads me to, it comes in March. And on Wednesday, I happened to be listening to a podcast by one of my favorite teachers, and she mentions how March is International Women's History Month. And I'm like, what better month to talk about Mary Magdalene, who was from, you know, so long ago. One of the first women in history, right? So I thought that was very interesting. And it was also interesting because it was really hard for me. I wanted to cut down the history part to give more inspiration about her gospel and I couldn't, it just came, and when I heard that on Wednesday, I'm like, oh, that's why, because the history, or the history, is very important to this talk that I'm about to do. And then in the end, I was writing the end of the talk on Wednesday, and I couldn't sum it up. I'm like, how do I sum this up? And as I'm writing, I get an email that says, there's a newsletter from Megan Watterson. Now, Megan Watterson wrote the book, Mary Magdalene Revealed, which is one of my main books that I did this whole talk on. And it was just so perfect because her newsletter is what inspired me. What she put in the newsletter is what inspired me on how to close the talk. So I, I share all this because it's just a reminder to myself and to you and how close God is. You know, how when we stop, look, and listen, we're guided all the time. All the time. So first I'm going to share some of the history, the history of her, the Gospels. Then I'm going to share the history of Mary Magdalene. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the Gospel, and then I'm going to summarize it. So her Gospel was actually found in a jar buried in the desert in 1896, and it was in Egypt. And it was left to the care of the Berlin Museum. It's not known when it was written. And it was written in Sahidic Coptic language. So it needed to be translated. 
and it was translated. And the gentleman who translated it brought it to the printer. And the printer had a pipe burst. And everything in his printing room was destroyed. So, the next translation was ready in 1943. And then World War broke out. World War II broke out. So, we didn't get the first translation of Mary Magdalene's Gospel until 1955, which is amazing to me. Like, we waited so long. We didn't even know we were waiting. We didn't know that there was something there, but to have to wait that long. And, and it's the only Gospel written in the name of a woman. The only Gospel. And it was also, it gives us a new, clearer perspective of Christianity and the message that Jesus was teaching. Because she was one of his apostles, and he actually taught her things that he did not teach the other apostles, which we will talk more about that later. But her gospel got suppressed in 324 CE, which is, I just found this out too, common error. They replaced that with after death. You know how they used to do AD? They don't do AD anymore. It's CE, common error. And common error. Yes. Oh, era. E-R-A. Oh, E-R-A. Oh, 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 yes. Right. Not error. <laughs> no. Wow, wouldn't that be right? Anyway, um, so her gospel was suppressed by Constantine when he became emperor of Rome in 324. He declared Christianity as the religion of the entire Roman Empire. And he also decided which texts were to be put into the Bible or that the church was going to be using and which texts got suppressed. And any bishop that went up against him got exiled immediately. They were out. So the four Gospels in the Bible that we know of today, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, actually have mentioned Mary Magdalene. She's the only woman besides Mother Mary that's mentioned by name in all four Gospels. Jesus heals Mary Magdalene of seven, seven demons, which we will talk about later. She's the only one that he does that with. She's one of the three, along with Mary, Mother Mary and John the Apostle, that actually wait at the foot of the cross during Jesus' crucifixion. She was the first to see Jesus resurrected, and her name was the first name that Jesus called out when he was ascended, when he was resurrected, sorry. This is why St. Augustine declared her the apostle of the apostles because of those some of those things. But this information gave translators enough to know about Mary Magdalene that was significant and why she was significant in Jesus' life and that there was probably more to her. But because of the people who brought the Gospels together, they didn't want to hear so much about a woman. So a little bit about her history. Mary Magdalene's mother privately maintained her worship of the Divine Feminine. Her mother was a wealthy woman, and she inherited mother from her grandmother, which was really unusual back in those days. Women didn't normally have money. During her pregnancy, Mary Magdalene's mother received messages that the birth of her child was the birth of a returning prophet. As a child, Mary Magdalene was innately gifted within the channeling and healing arts as well as being very smart. She was born an awakened being. Her parents encouraged her to cultivate strong inner practices of meditation and self-mastery before regularly interacting with the civilization 
that she was born to liberate. I thought that was pretty profound, you know. So most young women of that time, they were encouraged to get married, but she opted out of marriage. It wasn't for her. She continued her studies of mysticism and spirituality. She studied extensively with her own mother, and she traveled with her father to, and it was secretly, they, they had to like, make it a secret that she was traveling with him to mystery schools of Mesopotamia, Egypt, and India. And she would actually see into people's hearts and see their suffering, and it was very painful for her. And her throat would close, which I think is so interesting, because that's one of my symptoms that I get sometimes when I get really anxious or if I get really afraid, my throat closes. Um, but her throat would physically tighten as she witnessed the pain of suppression of women. Every year, Mary Magdalene would return to the Essene monastic life of Mount Carmel where she studied. Now, this is a Jewish sect who were the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And this is like the most amazing part. I don't know if anybody knows this, but at Mount Carmel, Mother Mary was Mary Magdalene's mentor. That was like so amazing to me. That was her mentor. So, and Mary, Mother Mary could see that Mary Magdalene was a natural spiritual revolutionary longing to serve her divine purpose. She also knew that it would require a sophisticated set of skills in order to safely speak her truth as a public female leader. Mary Magdalene was on a journey of self-mastery, and Mary, Mother Mary took her under her wing to help her master these skills needed to be the divine feminine Christ leader she was to become. Mary Magdalene realized this leadership role is why she had a lifelong inner drive for spiritual training. Her training was essential as a divine feminine Christ teaching embodiment to be capable of leading both men and women. And the container of Jesus' public ministry would create the opportunity and the physical protection for Mary Magdalene to walk as a woman offering her direct teachings in collaboration with Jesus. Deciding who Jesus was for herself was an important step in opening her heart to follow his lead and take up the opportunity to teach beside him. She intuitively experienced his own embodiment of both the fe divine feminine and divine masculine, which was the best use of her gifts and her life force. Jesus and Mary Magdalene met at the wedding of Cana. When she saw him, she witnessed him change water into wine, the quantum physics of water into wine. And when I read that, that was the moment I knew that I needed to study more about Mary Magdalene. Like, she witnessed that. That was just amazing. And she recognized his own Christ embodiment. They shared the similar resonance and frequencies because of all the work she had done all those years growing up. Plus, she was born into it. She was born into a woman who already was worshiping the divine feminine. So she went to school. So she, her vibration was raised to what Jesus' vibration was when they met. Her lifelong work studying with her mom and then with his mother allowed her to be at the same vibration with Jesus. They became close friends and possibly more than that. The disciples reported they, could, they would see them kissing on the lips. And we don't hear about this in the Bible. 
at all because what that does is it makes Jesus 100% human and 100% divine as each of us are but my experience in what I read in the Bible made Jesus more divine than human so I was so excited to read this and to hear this the relationship between Mary Magdalene and Jesus was something that proved Jesus both 100% human and 100% divine in their working together, Mary Magdalene reports to never feel she was beneath him or in servitude to him. His integrity was impeccable and his devoted acts for reconciling the divine feminine went above and beyond every day. Their spiritual alliance encoded humanity's collective consciousness with a template for the reconciliation of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Together they went on to teach and heal both men and women. They needed each other to teach both men and women. The, the women needed to see Mary there so they felt safe with Jesus. And the men needed to see Mary with Jesus so they felt like, well, this is a woman. You want me to listen to a woman? So they really needed one another to do their healing practices. After his ascension, Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary had to flee to France for fear of losing their lives. Mary Magdalene prophesied that her name would be maligned and hidden for an entire dark age. She also saw that her reputation would not be restored until thousands of years when the voices of women ushering in the new age would discover, recover, and remember the truth of her divine feminine Christ embodiment. Now, her maligned reputation came as Pope Gregory I in a homily that he spoke of, he delivered, in 591 CE. He declared that she and the unnamed woman in Luke 7 are, in fact, one and the same, and that she should be held as a whore. This label took hold and was held for so long because it did two things. It served the early church fathers by undermining the, teaches, the teachings associated with Mary, and it undermined women's capacity to take on leadership roles. This label stuck for many years until 1969, when the Catholic Church officially repealed Gregory's labeling of Mary Magdalene as a whore and admitted their error. This, collection, this correction still kind of goes unnoticed. It actually makes me think, you know, my mother growing up, my mother always said Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, and she would say it with such disdain and I often wonder what, how life would be different if she knew different. And then someone reminded me, well, she knows now, you know. She it's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the message, Mary Magdalene's gospel, the message from her gospel is about loving oneself, having self-worth, believing in yourself, and all of this comes from listening to your heart. She has seven, the number seven, uh, she has seven powers that we need to confront within ourselves to reach a clarity or singularity of heart that lets us see past the ego to what's more real, to what's infinite, to what's already here and within us. Those are darkness, craving, ignorance, craving for death, enslavement of the physical body, the false peace of the flesh, and the compulsion of anger. Now, this is where I, I need to do a little bit more research because she was also healed by Jesus 
of the seven demons, which are pride, lust, envy, anger, covetousness, gluttony, and sloth. And I don't know if those are related, so I want to look into that more and find out how, if, if it's a coincidence that there are both seven, or if so, I mean, the anger one obviously is the same, but if there's anything else that's similar between the two of them, is that what came to her as a result of being healed, or was she healed because she held those? So I'm going to find out. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> Wait till the next one. But in, if her purification is viewed this way, it makes her the most thoroughly sanctified person mentioned in the New Testament, as well as the first person that Jesus healed. The first person that Jesus healed. Imagine being completely cleansed of old grudges, illusions, hereditary obstacles of health, and all desires. Now, her gospel was only 19 pages, and the first six pages were lost. Nobody can find the first six pages. They start on page seven. And then there's some pages in the, miss in the middle that are missing. Pages 11 through 14 are missing. And I'm going to read to you. This is what was at the end of page 10, and where we're kind of left hanging, okay? And most of her gospel is really just conversations between her and she calls him the teacher, Jesus. Mary said, Lord, I see you now in this vision. He answered, you are blessed for the sight of me does not disturb you. There where is the noose, which is mind, lies the treasure. Then Mary said to Jesus, Lord, when someone meets you in a moment of vision, is it through the soul, the mind, that they see you, or is it through spirit? The teacher answered, It is neither through the soul nor the spirit, but the mind between the two, which sees the vision, and it is that which... Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's it, guys. We're on our own. Yeah. Yeah. So then it skips to page 14. And that's where the apostles start getting angry, especially Andrew. And they're upset because they realize that there are teachings that Jesus gave her that he did not give them. And they argue. They express disbelief and contempt that Jesus could reveal such powerful teachings to a woman and not them. Peter is especially angry. He says, must we change our customs and now listen to a woman? Did he really choose her and prefer her over us? Mary wept. My brother Peter, what could you be thinking? Do you believe this is just my imagination? Or do you believe that I would lie about our teacher? Levi is the one who comes to Mary's defense and says, if Jesus considered her worthy, then who are we to disregard her? He adds, because Jesus knew her completely and loved her steadfastly, let us grow as he demanded of us and walk forth to spread the gospel without trying to lay down any rules and laws other than those he witnessed. And so they did. Some other points of her gospel was... Um, Ascension was not about rising above. Ascension was about delving into the heart. That's about going into our heart and finding our joy. I thought of Maria a lot because she talks about her joy meter all the time. And I thought of her a lot when I was reading this. It's about stepping fully into the embodiment of who we are. It brings me back to both what you read about um, 
Abraham Hicks, and our song today, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake, lives in us. Lives in us. And yes, the, the gospels say that, but I'm right now talking about Mary. So her gospel just really, I mean, it's the focus of her gospel. And then Jesus says, acquire my peace within yourself. In other words, don't worship me. Become like me. <coughs> And he also said that there's no such thing as sin. It is what we do in our own mind that makes it sin. There is no such thing. So Mary's gospel reminds us when we block our heart, we block that voice from within, the vision of love that is within each of us. And this is the ancient misunderstanding that we are not worthy to have such love. It's the ancient divide, the idea that there is human and there is divine and that they're separate and one is higher than the other. And that's not true. The powers of the ego, the seven powers, Mary says, we must overcome, keep us separate from love, from the truth of who we are. It's about love that comes from understanding the worth inherent in being human. I, I need to say that again. It is about love that comes from understanding the worth inherent in being human. In disregarding Mary, in forgetting who she was to Jesus, we disregard the aspect in us that is fluent with the angels and with love. This is the love that brings us back to life, real life. It reminds me of my talk in January where I was talking about the power of life. Are we living life more fully? Are we coming from that place that brings us bliss and joy? So we went over the history or the history of her gospel. What does it mean in our lives? Life is about growing and elevating our consciousness. We need to listen deeply. We need to listen to that still small voice in our heart. So as women, suppression has been going on for eons. It's part of our DNA, I partly want to say, and it's time that we heal from it. This is the new age, and for both men and women, it's time to go into our hearts and, be, and come from our hearts to find unconditional love and complete joy in this lifetime. It is time to cultivate our self-worth. We cannot believe in ourselves if we do not remember we are worthy of that belief. Love is the answer. We are love. Both Mary and Jesus knew this, and they were connected in a way that we do not yet experience, acquiring a vision that allows us to see what has been there within us all the time. Transform transformative growth requires faith and courage. The Daily Word says, keep the faith. With God, divinity, universal love, whatever you want to call it, wants us to know we will know it, even if it takes thousands of years. Just the way the apostles were not ready to know what Mary knew, they and we eventually got her message, and not a moment before we could hear it. Her message is about taking and holding a higher view of all circumstances in our lives and in the world. Believe in possibility of peace in the midst of conflict and strive. I think we need to say that one again. Believe in the possibility of peace in the midst of conflict and strife. Comfort is available, healing is possible, and wholeness can be realized even in the state of illness or injury. 
using faith as a lens to see the world and my place in it or our place in it and attune to that greater reality. Call upon the strength that we have, the power of faith, which we use when we are lacking in our faith. We, need, we don't need to become someone else. We just need to see what has always been within us. It is not about quantity in life. It's about quality of life and the intensity of our existence. It's about being present and waking up to what brings you joy. Joy is complete satisfaction here and now, so we do not long continually for external things to make us happy and joyous. We find joy when we absolutely know the unity with the spirit, which is universal joy. So what feeds your heart? What brings you joy? Use prayer and meditation to ascend ourselves, to delve into our heart, to rise above, and do this by shining your light. I want to say thank you. You're my sister companion in prayer, possibility, prosperity, and power. I appreciate you, and I love you. Until we meet again, remember that you are blessed and a blessing.